0: all right guys you are locked on falcons i'm your host aaron freeman and today we are getting back into our 2021 falcons training camp preview talking about that third phase of the game arguably the most important and of course we're talking about special teams you are locked on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, and before we get into today's episode talking about the Falcons special teams unit and how the various position battles will go for the return specialists as well as the coverage units talking about the kickers, the punters, the long snappers, as well as how special teams roles will influence other positions on offense and defense. I do want to let you guys know about the Locked on Fantasy Football Podcast if you're looking for that edge to help you win your fantasy league this year or if you're like me, you just kind of want to get back into the playoffs after several years of a drought well the locked on fantasy football podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer of the sporting news is the place to give you that daily edge getting you all the data and info that you need so that your fantasy squad never fails subscribe to the locked on fantasy football podcast part of the lockdown podcast network on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So before we get started on today's special team stuff, I do want to uh, say something about the passing of former Falcons assistant coach Alex Gibbs earlier this week. I know I'm not necessarily timely talking about this now on Friday when Alex Gibbs passed on Monday at the age of 80. But uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Alex Gibbs was the Falcons offensive line coach during the Jim Moore era. Back in 2004, I think he retired technically after 2004 and became the sort of consultant in oh five and 06 uh, with the team helping out people like Tom Cable. And I think Jeff Jagodzinski as the Falcons offensive line coaches in those subsequent years. But Alex Gibbs is sort of the godfather of the outside zone run blocking scheme made famous by the Kyle Shanahan, now Kyle Shanahan, as well as formerly by the Mike Shanahan coaching tree, uh, serving as the Broncos offensive line coach for the better part of a decade prior to arriving in Atlanta. Um, and you know, he was the position coach of people like Todd McClure and Keenan Forney and all those guys back then, you know, went on to. Coach, uh, you know, the better part of three or four decades in the NFL, uh, went to Houston after Atlanta, Seattle, Denver, uh, went back to Denver, uh, where I think he finally retired at age 72 back in 2013. So Alex Gibbs, one of the great uh, assistant coaches passing earlier this week, certainly if we're talking about guys uh, when it comes to Hall of Fame assistant coaches, Alex Gibbs certainly is in the conversation as one of the top offensive line coaches uh, to ever do it. And uh, just wanted to say that before we jump into our special teams preview uh, where we'll be talking about the uh, Falcons roster changes and depth chart before we get into some of the position battles, particularly at that return specialist job later on today's episode. So with that being said, let's talk about the players that the Falcons added this offseason to potentially help them out on special teams. The first signing of the Terry Fontenot era was a punter by the name of Don Maggio. Uh, The Falcons also, of course, signed uh, running back-slash-wide receiver-slash-kickoff returner Cordero Patterson this offseason. They also added wide receiver-slash-kick returner Jeff Badette, Linebacker Brandon Copeland. In the draft, they drafted cornerback-slash-punt returner-slash-kick special teams maybe Avery Williamson, um, I'm sorry, Avery Williams, and also in the draft they picked up Richie Grant, who was a uh, very effective special teams player uh, in college as well. Players that were key parts of the Falcon special teams a year ago that they wound up losing this offseason. Brandon Powell, their kick returner, Sharad Niesman, was the personal protector on the team's punt team. Uh, linebacker Leroy Reynolds, tight end Luke Stocker, linebacker Edmund Robinson. Running back Brian Hill was a gunner last year. Cornerback Bleedy Ray Wilson and edge rusher Charles Harris were contributors on the team's kickoff coverage units. And that gives us brings us to the Falcons depth chart. And we'll talk about the main special teams positions. Um, talking about kicker, of course, Young Way is the only kicker on the on the roster currently in the top of the depth chart there. Long snapper is the same with Josh Harris. Punter, the Falcons, because of the addition of Maggio. Maggio is behind Sterling Hoffrick They're at the punter position. Kickoff returner, my expectation is you'll have Cordero Patterson one at the position. Avery Williams as his primary backup, with Jeff Badett also in the mix as the number three kickoff returner. And at punt returner, Avery Williams is a top-to-depth chart. Chris Rowland is number two. And then you still have guys like Alameda Zakias possibly in the mix. If, if someone else is going to push either one of those two guys, and we'll take a, a deeper look at the various uh, coverage units and sort of the depth there and the competitions there later in the episode. But as we move forward, I want to talk a little bit about the futures of players like young way and Josh Harris and Sterling Hoffrichter before we get into the return battle, which I think is going to be the key position battle at this uh, particular one that most people are going to be paying attention to, particularly that punt return job. Uh, But we'll get into that coming up on today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the NBA side of the Lockdown Podcast Network, whether your team is in the NBA finals or your team is gearing up for the upcoming draft later this month. Of course, the Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered with a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including those pesky Atlanta Hawks check out the lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Rowland, a recent guest on the lockdown Falcons podcast, but you can check out Brad every day on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline. The NBA playoffs are ongoing. You have the British Open and Summer Olympics coming up. And of course, baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. And it's not just sports, since BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag use that promo code locked on you will receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit that means if you deposit 200 bucks you get a hundred dollars in free money to play with with that promo code locked on BetOnline, your online sports book experts so i want to talk about the falcons main specialist the kickoff the kicker the punter the kickoff guy the in the long snapper uh, before we get into the return battle. Um, and obviously we're not expected to see much competition at those three main specialist spots. Uh, Don Maggio is in camp, but is widely seen as a camp body. Certainly there is a possibility. There's certainly an, uh, an alternative reality where Don Maggio beats out Sterling Hoffrichter from what I can tell watching Don Hoffrichter during his days at Wake Forest. You know, I think he was like graded out by pro football focus, if I'm not mistaken, as the second best punter in the ACC while he was there of course Sterling Hoffrichter I think was number one during that time so it's not a sort of a foregone conclusion that Hoffrichter uh, won't lose the battle Um, but obviously the expectation is that Hoffrichter will win the the job he did great out particularly well for pro football focus in his rookie season in Atlanta particularly improving in the second half of the season similar to what we saw with Matt Bosher in his rookie year where he kind of struggled out of the gates and then really came on strong and was able to build off of that in subsequent years and we're hoping the same thing for Sterling Hoffrichter. My guess is that Hoffrichter will also serve as the full-time kickoff return the kickoff specialist, I'm sorry, um, this year after sort of dabbling in that thanks to some injuries to Young-Way Koo at various points last season. Uh, while we know that Koo is the king of onside kicks, we know that onside kicks aren't regular things, and so just keeping a guy as you kick off specialist just so for the two times, maybe a year that you'll have to do an onside kick doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, and if your goal is primarily the limit returns, it seems like Hoffrichter is probably your better option there because Ku's kickoffs rarely got to the end zone, or at least relative to other NFL kickers. Only 42% of his kickoffs last year were touchbacks while 72% of Hoffrichter's were. And when you look at it from a league wide superiority, disparity uh, 42% is towards the lower end of the spectrum among NFL kickers. And 72% is towards the upper end. Um, and so, you know, maybe there's an argument that a special teams coach or coordinator doesn't necessarily want his kickoff guy to, to boot the ball into the end zone because there's an argument that can be made. I've, I've seen at least some statistical evidence saying that uh, if you kick the ball shy of the end zone, there's a higher probability that the team will get stopped the return specialist will get stopped before the 25 yarder. And so if maybe if you're a super, super uh, special kind of special teams coach, maybe that you are not as willing to concede the 25 yard as yard line as much by kicking touchbacks. Um, and so therefore in that world, then Koo would probably be your preferred guy, but I don't generally expect that to be the case. So when we look at guys like ku and Harris, obviously with no competition, that doesn't mean that there aren't important seasons ahead of them in 2021 because 2021 represent a contract year for both of them now Harris will be an unrestricted free agent next offseason while Koo will be a restricted free agent next offseason, which means that the Falcons should be able to retain Ku, but they will have to tender him. And since he's a former undrafted free agent, if they do tender him and with the intention of keeping him and not allowing another team to sort of uh, scoop, him, swipe him or whatever the case, no swiper, no swiping. Um, don't know why that popped into my head. But, uh, you know, they'll have to tender him at the second round level, which over the cap dot com projects to be about three point nine million dollars next year. So if the Falcons want to keep young way they'll have to pay him roughly four million dollars next year. And if they like what they see from him, you know, they can lower that number by giving him a long-term extension. But the going rate for high end kickers in today's NFL is about four or $5 million a year. Now you wouldn't be paying that in year one. So you would be paying him less than 4 million or or 5 million in year one. But you know, that would probably mean by like year three, year four, you know, you're potentially paying young wake who, you know, six or $7 million a year. And, and so one wonders if if the Falcons necessarily want to make that sort of commitment. And the reason why we bring that up is we've talked quite a bit, you know, throughout these last several months about some of the financial decisions that the Falcons are going to have to make next offseason. And while we don't mention Young Wake who, as much as we mention guys like Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett and Matt Ryan young way is on that list as well as a player that the Falcons are going to have to potentially make a, a long term or at least a short term financial commitment to uh, next offseason Josh Harris again is entering a contract year as an unrestricted free agent and I'll be curious to see if he's retained I'm assuming that the Falcons will retain him because there's no reason to move on from Josh Harris because outside of maybe like a handful of wonky snaps his rookie year back in 2012 he's been as far as I can tell as far as I've noticed pretty much perfect on his snaps for the last eight seasons. Um, But I've talked about in the past, how teams that typically aren't overly successful, aren't playoff contenders tend to look at these positions, whether we're talking about kicker punter or long snapper as luxuries to pay premiums on guys. And I've said before, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Falcons look to start moving on from players like Matt Bryant and Matt Bosher around the same time where they started missing the playoffs after multiple years um and, and that's generally the trend that I wonder if because you know, you know, depending on what your expectations for the team is this year, I wonder if Josh Harris will sort of be shown the door and the team will be like, look, we can get a younger guy in here. Uh, What's the point of paying a premium? Now, the good thing that Josh Harris has going for him is long snappers don't make much of a premium. They're, probably the cheapest position in the league um, in terms of what the big money makers make at that position. The highest paid lawn snapper in the NFL averages about $1.3 million a year, which is marginally more than the veteran minimum uh, for that position group. And, you know, you look at the contract that Josh Harris and that extension he signed back in 2018, which averaged about $800,000 a year at that time, you know that's actually a cheaper contract than what the Panthers are paying their rookie long snapper that they wound up drafting this past year in Thomas Fletcher, who's making like nine hundred plus a thousand dollars a year. Um, so like, there's no real reason for the Falcons, or at least there's certainly no financial reason for the Falcons to move on from Josh Harris after this season, and so they would just essentially be doing it just to do it. Um, not because it would be saving them a significant amount of money. So that's just something to keep an eye on to sort of see if the Falcons just basically look, we're gonna, you know, you you know, when new regimes come in, they're like, we're just gonna shuffle things just for the sake of shuffling things, and and that may be a byproduct of that. Hopefully not, because you know, Josh Harris, as I said, has been you know lights out as as far as the long snapper game goes for the last eight years. But moving on to the return battle, which I think is probably a little bit more compelling to a lot of you. Um, Obviously the Falcons added one of the NFL's most prolific uh, and productive kickoff returners in NFL history by adding Cordero Patterson, Patterson, is basically the exception to the rule. When you hear me talk, you know, about how like returners don't really matter much in today's NFL, which you've probably heard, you know, ad nauseum over the last four or five years on this podcast, Patterson is one of the few exceptions to that rule. Um, but even though he is the exception, he, in a lot of ways, he's not really the exception because despite the fact that he's been arguably the best, um, you know, I would like to hear someone argue against this, but he's been the best, <laughs> um, kickoff returner in the NFL for the last decade, he still is treated like a journeyman player, right? The Falcons are about to be his fifth NFL team going into his ninth NFL season. And he's been, you know, they're about to be his fourth NFL team over the last five years. And so while we can certainly have a discussion and debate over the value that he brings on the field as a returner and whatnot into any NFL team as a returner, it does seem that despite whatever value you perceive it to have, NFL teams aren't willing to commit to him to more than a year or two. Um, And we'll sort of see if the Falcons are on the same track, because they obviously signed him to a one-year contract. So we'll just see how that develops. And when you look at the fact that they drafted a highly productive special teams player in Avery Williams in round five out of Boise State this past year, it does at least lend credence to the idea that the Falcons aren't necessarily planning on keeping Patterson long-term, because if you want to maximize Williams' impact on the team, just having him be a punt return Turner, you know, while the kickoff duties are less than they were in the past, you would at least in theory, want him to also contribute there just to maximize his contributions to the team. So we'll see about that. But um, I certainly think Williams, it is the punt return job, is his job to lose as far as the punt return job goes, given that Patterson doesn't return punts. And Williams is expected to be pushed primarily by Chris Rowland, who the Falcons, you know, kept on their practice squad for most of last year, then, you know, was promoted at the end of the season due to some injuries to Brandon Powell and was, you know, Serviceable to to pretty solid uh, in limited opportunities as a return specialist late in the season, um, and I've discussed in the past a little bit maybe of the possibility of a Devin Fuller slash JD McKissick like situation which, if you don't recall, the Falcons drafted Devin Fuller back in 2016 to basically be their Devin Hester replacement as their main return specialist, but this undrafted free agent by the name of J.D. McKissick wound up outperforming him that summer, and Fuller got injured and went on injured reserve, and McKissick was cut and put on a practice squad, and the Falcons wound up keeping Eric Weems, much to some people's chagrin, that season as their main uh, kickoff return specialist, but McKissick, at the end of the year, was scooped up by the Seahawks, as well as Hester, um, in that 2016 16 year and you know, he was converted to a running back after being used by the Falcons as a wide receiver. And he's gone on, you know, in the year since to become a competent third down running back and and wide receiver and currently with Washington. And while I don't expect that to happen with Williams and Roland, there's certainly a world where Roland could unseat Williams, you know, a couple of muffed kicks or whatever the case may be might uh, favor Roland in that regard. Now, the good thing that goes for Williams is at least, Based off of the information I know. Roland is tends to be a little bit more the question mark in terms of ball security, right? It's never been about Roland's lack of ability. It's been about the security because you know, if you're reading between the lines of what we heard from being Kataqua last summer about why the Falcons decided to retain Powell over the return as a return specialist over Roland, who was a guy that almost everybody universally expected to win that job. It sounded like Kataqua was hinting at that. Roland had some ball security issues, muffing some punts, presumably, Um, And that led to Powell winning the job. And and the other thing I noticed watching Roland, was he that he muffed a punt in an all-star game uh, coming out in the draft in the pre-draft process as well. So that doesn't necessarily bode well for him. And as far as I can tell, um, you know, I, I haven't gone and watched every single snap of Williams at Boise State. But from far as I could tell, I don't think he muffed a single punt during his collegiate career. Right. He did have a couple of fumbles, I think two, maybe three fumbles in his career. But I think all of those were instances where he was stripped during the return, not necessarily, you know, muffing, a, a kick or whatever the case may be, other options for the Falcons, at least that could get some reps uh, this summer in the return game when when guys like Patterson and Williams and Roland need a breather. You have a guy like Jeff Bedet, who is a very excellent kickoff returner in college. Again, similar to Patterson, not much used as a punt returner, but you know has that four two nine speed. So again, another guy that in a world where Cordero Patterson, the Falcons move on from him next year if, if Bidette happens to make the team or make the practice the squad you could sort of slot him in uh to that sort of vacancy at the kickoff return job mentioned Olamide Zacchaeus at the top he always seems to be hanging around as a guy that gets opportunities gets reps as a punt returner although he's also dealt with issues with ball security and pass other players in camp that have return experience or Austin Trammell, the undrafted wide receiver; Tyler Hall, the former undrafted uh, cornerback; now second-year cornerback in Kendall Sheffield also did return some stuff in college. Isaiah Oliver was a punt returner in college, but he hasn't really gotten any looks there in college. We know that Calvin Ridley got some looks in the preseason in his rookie summer as well. But again, I'm not expecting those guys beyond players like Williams, Bidette, uh, Roland, and Patterson to really get much look there. So again, I think it's it's Williams' job to lose, and we'll see if, if that you know if he winds up earning that job or the Falcons, you know, have their kind of thumbs on the scale and weighing, meaning that they're weighing things in his favor. Um, And we'll continue today's conversation about the Falcon special teams by turning to that all important coverage unit that often gets overlooked you know when we talk about special teams being overlooked the coverage units are the most overlooked aspect of that and we'll continue today's conversation and talk about how that's going to wind up impacting some roster spots not only on special teams but also on offense and defense coming up on today's locked on falcons podcast but before we get there guys I do want to plug the locked on bets podcast where you can get daily insight into ways to put more money into your pocket with host your boy Q as well as paramount sports lee sterling giving you that daily insight on, on, you know, the wrong team favored, you know, the lock of the day, all those various things that is providing to you on locked on bets, which you can find on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So today's episode is brought to you by rock auto with ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why wait while the person behind the counter orders parts on their computer when you already have a computer with access to rock dot. Com at home or in your pocket with your phone save time and money when using rock auto you'll spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you order from a chain store or a car dealership meanwhile rockauto.com's prices are always reliably low for every customer rock auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years they have everything you need brake parts tail lamps motor oil even new carpet go explore their easy to use website yourself today and find the solution to your auto parts needs go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so did you guys know that Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar on the market, has several delicious flavors, whether you're a big fan of coconut almond, like me, mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut or raspberry. There's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor. You've seen summer flavors like German chocolate cake, grasshopper cookie, orange and strawberry. You can try them all with a mix box. And you can get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar with none of the guilt. Built Bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. My favorite, the coconut almond, tastes just like an almond joy. I also highly recommend the strawberry flavor as there's not a better combination of strawberries and chocolate. And it's not just about their great taste. Built Bars are healthy, too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. Just head over to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Now let's talk about where the real competitions on special teams are going to be. And that's the coverage units. Now I've discussed before, but basically nowadays, because the league has sort of marginalized the impact of kickoffs due to the various rules. If you do really want to carve out a niche on special teams and become a quote unquote special teamer in the NFL that can last in this league for several years, you got to make your hay on punt coverage units. And there aren't a lot of returns in today's NFL, whether we're talking about kickoffs or punts, but if you can stand out in punt coverage, you know, it's going to help your sticking power. We saw that with Jacob Toody Mariner last year, who was one of the top uh, producers in terms of special team stackers last year. And that's why, you know, I I think his job is relatively safe here in Atlanta going into the summer, even though he's not one of, you know, this coaching staff's guys, Uh, but I would at this point be surprised if he was cut just because of that value that he brings on special teams to be one of those guys that's carved out that niche. Um, But basically there are three key roles on the punt coverage unit. And, you know, once you remove obvious ones like the punter and the long snapper out of the equation. So there are nine other players that make up that punt coverage unit and they fit into three broad categories. There's two gunners. There are six, um, you know, guys on along the line of scrimmage that are being asked to block. And then there's the one personal protector. Now, uh, starting out with the Gunners are the two players that line up wide, similar to what you see wide receivers on offense or corners on defense. And their job is obviously to get down the field as quickly as possible and basically be the first guys to prevent a big return. Ideally, they'll get downfield so fast that the returner will be forced to call it a fair catch. But if he doesn't, they're expected to sort of be that first line of defense for the special teams unit, obviously returners are trained to make the first guy miss. So gunners typically don't make a ton of tackles because they're typically the first guys down the field and and returners, good returners will make the first guy miss. So they don't get a ton of tackles, but they're supposed to sort of corral the returner and, and help, you know, force him to go a certain direction and that will arow the, the rest of the unit to sort of rally to the ball and whatnot. So, you know, what is required of being a, a capable gunner typically, you know, first thing you look for is speed, right? But you also have to have physicality, right? Cause you're going to have to basically run full speed into another human being, right? So you got to have a certain mentality about you that, you know, you are willing to be a crash test dummy, Um, But, you know, the other skill set that's very valuable there is often size and physicality because essentially you're going to be asked to beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage, often against two defenders that are basically trying to jam you uh, at the ball. And so, you know, guys that are wide receivers, corners also that have some experience playing wide receiver, you know, from their – high school days or whatever often tend to be the most valuable guys at that spot. Anton Smith, to me, has been the best gunner I've seen the Falcons have over the last decade since I've been paying attention. But, you know, when we're looking at guys currently on the Falcons roster that fit the bill, you know, Cordero Patterson has experience as a gunner in this league, did that role the last two years in Chicago Um, and was effective in that role. So, you know, I, I would guess he would be the top option to fill one of those two spots. I would guess Avery Williams would be my next best guess to, to fill the other spot. Um, but I don't think either one of those guys filling those spots is guaranteed. You know, Patterson has not always been a gunner throughout his career and the Falcons might decide, look, you're too valuable as a returner. You're too valuable as an offensive weapon to put out there. We got some better options uh, out there. And one of the things, Worth pointing out is that certainly under the previous regime and Dan Quinn, you know, they basically refuse, except for in rare instances, to basically play starters or key role players on special teams. That's why a guy like Russell Gage, who was essentially drafted to be a gunner back in 2018, once the team traded Mohamed Sanu in 2019 and, and Gage was promoted to being that number three wide receiver on the team, you know, was basically promoted and hasn't played special teams since then. And, you know, as when it comes to Williams, as far as I'm aware, you know, I don't think he ever was a gunner in college at Boise State, right? So it's not a guarantee that he'll be able to do that, especially given, even though he has the speed, he tends to be a little bit maybe of a smaller stature and may not quite have the physicality that you're looking for at that position. So there's no guarantee that either one of those guys will wind up filling those duties, although they would be my first choices, my first guesses as to who I would think are likely. But behind them, you have other alternative options, you know, guys that are Currently on the Falcons, that have experience in in past years uh, as Gunners: Kendall Sheffield, Alameda Zacchius, Christian Blake, Tyler Hall all current Falcons players that have that experience working last year and previous year as Gunners. Fabian Moreau worked as a Gunner as a rookie, hasn't really since then, Um, so I would not expect him to do that uh, moving forward. Again, I expect him to be a starter as well. We'll talk about that when we get to the cornerback position next week. Um, Darren Hall, I don't recall doing much special teams play in college at San Diego State, but I think he certainly has the skill set to do it, so there's no reason to think he couldn't take an opportunity especially in a world where he Is unable to secure the starting nickel cornerback spot, which again is my expectation for what Hall's going to do this summer. But in a world where he's like the fourth or or, or fifth corner, then, you know, being a gunner on special teams becomes much more of an opportunity for him. TJ Green uh, back. In 2017, when he was playing for the Colts, uh, when Ted Monashino was the defensive coordinator, there was a gunner for, I think, like half of that season. Uh, so he has some experience there. Frank Darby, Jeff Bidette also would make sense as potential gunners. You know, I'm not sure that Darby did that at Arizona State, but again, in theory, he has the skill set to do it, although he may be not be the fastest guy, but certainly, you know, basically being a deep receiver is basically the same basic skill set that you want in a gunner, and I believe Badett dabbled as a gunner in some of the preseason games he had with the Vikings in previous summers, notably other players that you would think may be options. Guys like Tajay Sharp has never really had much experience on special teams over the five years in his career. I would say Chris Rowland would in theory could do it, although it tends to be on a little bit of a smaller size, but you know, he's not that much smaller than guys like Avery Williams and Tyler Hall, who you would assume as I've already talked about could also be in the mix there. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities for Chris Rowland to get an opportunity there. Um, But guys like Tajay Sharp, Isaiah Oliver are other options that, Don't really have the experience playing special teams. And I think it could wind up enhancing or really in those two guys, particularly case, sharp and Oliver's hurting their chances of making the roster elsewhere at cornerback and at wide receiver. Because again, in a world where the Falcons are basically like, Oh, only the starters are not going to play special teams. If your backup, your expectation is to play special teams. And in, in a world where Tajay Sharp does not win the number three wide receiver spot, or Isaiah Oliver does not win the, the starting nickel cornerback spot you know, I think it could hurt their chances of of sticking on the roster. Now we'll see how that goes. Steven means is also another player that doesn't have a ton of experience on special teams. And that could hurt his chances of making the roster as well. And if Steven means was to play special teams, he would go in the second group of players, which is along the line of scrimmage where they're basically functioning as linemen. And I feel like, There's not going to be a ton of competition there. You know, typically you have running backs, fullbacks, tight ends and linebackers and the occasional edge rusher like a Jacob Tooney Mariner. Barkevis Mingo had experience doing that, playing that role prior to him getting released uh, this past weekend. Um, Brooks Reed and Croy Bierman, if you go back in time, also sort of served the function on punt coverage units uh, as those edge rushers. So, if I was looking at the Falcons roster right now, I feel like this position group is is relatively settled. The six guys that I would expect to join Jacob Harris, uh, I'm sorry, Josh Harris on the line of scrimmage on punt coverage units would be Michael Walker, Keith Smith, Quadri Olison, Jaden Graham, Jacob Toody Mariner, and Brandon Copeland. Now, Jalen Hawkins did dabble um, there last year uh, for two weeks, playing up in the line of scrimmage, but did not, you know, was essentially week three and week four, I believe. And then it was never seen from again there. Um, But typically you won't see too many teams employing guys playing up on that line of scrimmage that are like under 220 pounds, right? They, you know, they typically want bigger guys because they're going to be asked to block. So that would, you know, potentially you could throw other options, you know, guys that I would generally say are probably long shots to make the roster, but certainly if they do wind up finding a way to, potentially compete for a roster spot, guys like Caleb Huntley, Errol Thompson, Dorian etheridge Parker has Ryan Becker, Sharif Miller, etc. could be in the mix for one of these six roles. Um Ade Ogandeji technically could get a look there, but you know, I think it's probably not as um fast as you would typically want a guy. You know, if he ran like a four seven or something like that, I would think there would be a, a much better probability of him doing that John Kaminsky's gotten a little bit of experience there but not really since his rookie summer Um, so that's another option that you potentially have uh, there as far as the linemen go now moving on to the third group is of course uh, one particular player that's the personal protector and that was a job filled by Eric Weems throughout his time in Atlanta and is basically the last line of defense to prevent a block obviously we know Eric Weems did an exceptional job doing that over the years not so much in the years where Eric Weems wasn't the guy um, in terms of the number of block punts I- increasing dramatically in those seasons. But since Weems stopped, in, you know, performing that role back in 2016 was his last year. You know, since then the Falcons have had guys like Teron Ward in 2017, Jordan Richards in 2018 and Sherrod Niesman in the last two years as their primary personal protectors. And typically when you look around the league, most teams usually fill this job with a running back or a safety. And it's interesting because the Falcons I I believe initially when they drafted guys like Brian Hill and Quadro Olison expected him to win this personal protective protector job outright and you know he'll wind up losing that job to ward and olison wound up losing it to neesman uh because those guys weren't necessarily ready for that role now when you look at current falcon players that have experience doing that eric harris did dabble as the raiders personal protector for like two years um you know deron Harmon filled in part way through last season with Detroit and notably the Falcons new special teams coordinator in Marquise Williams uh, was an assistant special teams coach in Detroit uh, these last couple of years. So he's an option there. Olson again, does have limited experience, uh, primarily from his rookie preseason, as well as getting a, dabbling a little bit there uh, in that 2019 season. I think in games where Niesman might have been a little nicked up or whatever the case may be. Um, but I do think when we talk about players like Jalen Hawkins or even someone like a Richie Grant, they could get serious looks at this position. And I would say that if Isaiah Oliver was to start out, uh, was to carve out a more permanent role on special teams, I would guess that he would be better served as a personal protector than a gunner. Um, you could also throw technically TJ Green into this mix. Um, although, again, his experience in the past is more as a gunner. Now, Grant did shine on coverage units in my eyes when he played at UCF. Um, unlike, say, a Darren Hall who didn't get a lot of experience playing on special teams outside of maybe his freshman year there. But I think Grant did that, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. But Grant, certainly as an upperclassman, was still contributing on special teams. And that was part of the whole conversation of Richie Grant displaying his leadership by, you know, being one of their guys on special teams during his times at UCF. But in a world where the Falcons, you know, are basically like, we want this guy to be our long term free safety, maybe they won't necessarily be that interested in giving Grant. Opportunities as the personal protector there, uh, given you know their eyes on the prize in terms of making him the quarterback of the secondary for the long term um, so I, my guess is. You know, if Harris isn't the go-to guy, my best guess would be Jalen Hawkins would be sort of the top candidate to replace Neesman as that personal protector. And when we drafted Jalen Hawkins, I talked about the possibility of him sort of filling that those shoes and competing with a guy like Neesman at the time. And and Hawkins certainly has the skill set uh, similar Neesman, who's been a valuable special teams player for the Falcons these last couple of years. I think Hawkins has the mentality and the skill set to be a, an effective special teams performer, but doesn't quite have the speed that you ideally really wanting a gunner doesn't have quite the size that you want to put on a regular basis on the line of scrimmage. So personal protector might be that sort of halfway spot between where he's kind of perfect for. Um, but as far as I know, didn't have a ton of experience doing that at Cal, um, So we'll just sort of see. And, you know, obviously I've thrown out a ton of possibilities. And the big reason why is because we have a new coaching staff and I'm quite not really quite sure how they're going to do things and, and how differently they're going to do things than the previous regime did in theory. You know, they could decide Frank Darby is their personal no protector or something like that. So we'll just sort of see how that goes. Now, as far as kickoff coverage goes, it's basically like the nine guys that you have on the punt coverage unit. You swap out maybe one of the bigger, slower guys, you know, a Jaden Graham or or Jacob Toody Mariner, and you put in like a a fast guy, a running back, a wide receiver, a corner, a safety or something like that. And basically you got your kickoff coverage unit. Now, when I talked about the rare exceptions, when a starter does play uh, on special teams or at least on one of these main coverage units, Kickoff coverage tends to be the exception to the rule where you've seen guys in the past, guys like Desmond Trufant, Robert Alford, Keanu Neal, sort of serving as the wing on the kickoff coverage unit. And basically, their job is alongside whoever the kickoff specialist in the past. I was obviously Matt Bosher. Now, currently, it's either Young Wei Koo or or Sterling Hoffrichter, is basically the last line of defense. You know, they basically play the quote unquote safety position um, on on that unit. uh, And they basically hang back uh, and make sure that a big return their job is to basically make the tackle if there is a big return um you know when you have matt Bosch, you don't really need those guys to do much because you know Bosch is going to make that tackle and, and hoffert there also is a, a very good tackler as well so um probably not a big deal so that's the one exception where a quote a technical offensive or defensive starter usually it's a starting uh d back um will uh get some work on special teams units but you know because special teams does matter And it's often overlooked. And I think certainly as the point I've been trying to make is it does have an impact on who winds up making the team. And, you know, this may be a little bit of a deep cut, but you know, several years, I think it was 2016, uh, the Falcons had a running back named Brandon Wilds, and he was looking very good to a lot of people on offense during that preseason. And a lot of people were expecting him to make the roster as the RB three over a guy like Teron Ward. And the thing that I noticed that summer was Wilds got zero snaps on special teams. And while I don't think Ward got a ton of work on special teams, that particular summer, the prior season did get uh, a ton of work on special teams. And, you know, no matter how excited fans were that Wilds was ripping off, you know, 30 yard runs or whatever the case may be in those preseason games, like I kept trying to explain to folks that there was like no chance of him making the roster over a player like uh Teron Ward, because, you know, when you were the RB three on those particular teams, you know, you had Dev Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman as your RB one and RB two. And so the RB three wasn't really going to get much of any opportunities to play on offense. You know, this is, been a topic of conversation for many, many years, uh, among Falcon fans where people were like, oh, this guy can be our RB three. And it's like, you're not going to play. Right. So you got to perform on special teams. If you're going to have a role as the RB three, at least back in those days. Um, and really today's NFL isn't, you know, the, today's team is probably not much different. Um, where if you're not going to have, you know, you're basically on Sundays, there's going to be nothing for you to do. If, you know, if you're, the RB three and you don't play special teams. And that's why a guy like wilds to me was never going to make the team despite, you know, people hyping him up because of how good he was on offense that year. Now, I think the Falcons wound up cutting wilds and I think he's bounced around the NFL. And I think he's currently in the CFL right now. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. So it's stuff like that, that I think a lot of fans do wind up missing that, you know, the roster nerds like me tend to notice. Um, and that's part of the reason why last summer I was like, you know, or last season, um, going into the summer, I was like, you know, Laquan Treadwell, if he doesn't win the number three wide receiver spot, he's not going to make the team. Right, because he doesn't have that special teams value. And it's why when I was uh, initially very down on the Lee Smith trade, because I was like, I was skeptical of him making the roster because he doesn't have really much of any special teams experience as well. Now, I've since backtracked on the Lee Smith stuff, much to my chagrin. But, you know, when, that's why I look at players like Tajay Sharp and Isaiah Oliver that are guys that are kind of firmly on the roster bubble entering the summer because if they don't carve out those top depth chart spots, you know, at wide receiver and cornerback, I could easily see the Falcons deciding to move on from those guys uh, because. Otherwise, they're not really going to give you a ton of value on Sundays if they're not contributing on special teams. And that's why a player like, say, Javion Hawkins uh, is not necessarily a lock to make the team because guys like Patterson, Olison do have clear uh, improvement special teams value. And there's certainly a world where Hawkins could wind up being, you know, a valuable gunner on punt team, similar to what I said, Antone Smith. But unless Hawkins is basically Antone 2.0 or, you know, the Falcons decide to give him a look as a return specialist there really isn't a ton of justification to keep him on the roster as an RB4 or or whatever the case may be you know because it, even if you want to stash a guy you can do that on the practice squad right you like you don't need to keep a roster spot open just to stash a guy especially if you wind up having injuries at other positions that wind up forcing you to have to well we need to get another cornerback because we have you know two guys injured we need another offensive lineman you know that's what happens over the course of a season that's part of the reason that led to a guy like Brian Hill being you know booted back in 2017 as the RB4 and the Falcons deciding to expose him to waivers because they had some injuries and they need to get a Another guy at another spot, and they just didn't have the luxury of carrying a fourth running back that doesn't really contribute much on offense and doesn't really contribute on special teams. So for those nerdy folks like me, I would highly recommend that, you know, during the preseason games, normally when you would just look at your phone on punts. You know, start paying attention to who's on the field, you know, in those instances uh, as the personal protector and gunners, especially because that can wind up having a, a significant impact on guys that might wind up making the roster. Now, you know, if you're not a roster nerd like me, you know, then so be it, you know, do, what, do whatever you want to do, you know, play Candy Crush or whatever, whatever the kids these days are doing. You're just tweeting through it, I guess. Um, but, you know, TikTok, I guess, is, is what people are doing nowadays. But, um, you know, I'm sure you probably have a lot more interesting things going on in your life. And in fact, I probably know that you're having a lot more interesting things going on in your life rather than really, you know, digging, digging deep on, you know, who's the personal protector on the second string you know, preseason punt team in third quarter of of these preseason games. So, you know, but if you're the type of person that can rattle off a final 53 man roster projection purely from memory, you know, then this is the podcast for you. This is a safe place for you. And uh, speaking of safe places, guys, if you're into sports, but you're listening to these episodes and you're thinking, man, really, Aaron, I, I really do appreciate you doing your best to try to make special teams as interesting for us as it is to you. But uh, I'm just not really in the headspace for the Falcons, but I still pay attention to the other sports. Well, you know, NBA Finals, now that the series is tied up 2-2, you know, what's going on with Team USA Basketball, baseball, all those various things. Well, my friends, host Peter Bukowski of the Locked On Today podcast has you covered, right? It's all the sports news that you need every morning. Another 20 minutes, subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, you're probably sitting there saying, where's Aaron going with this? But uh, that's where I'm going. Locked On Today, check it out. Great show. Um, Probably a better show than this one. Uh (laughs) All right, guys, I've done about 45 minutes on special teams. You know, only on lockdown Falcons. Have a great weekend. Uh, until then, we'll be back with more training camp previews next week. We got another NFC South uh, Bucks preview next week as well. But we, we're going to gonna try to wrap up uh, quarterback, running back, corner and safety uh, as well next week. So hopefully that's the plan. Until then, guys.